0: All Things Automotive with the petrol head Nico Smith.
1: 832, and don't forget, uh, if you want to send your questions for Nico, our petrol head, then now is the time to do it. You can WhatsApp us on WhatsApp, and our WhatsApp number is... Let me get it for you so that you don't forget it. Oh, 0614104107. Oh, oh, you can also do it on Twitter at SAFM Radio, hashtag SAFMJSP. Or you can do it on SMS, SMS Rate apply, 41391. And it's time for us to go to our petrol head. And he's on the couch, I'm hoping, with a cup of coffee. I'm hoping, Nico, hi. Good morning. How are you doing? Where are you?
0: Uh, well, I'm at home, on the, on the couch, with a cup of coffee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where are I'm you? S- I mean? <laughs> I'm so pleased to hear that.
0: <laughs> you can actually see what it looks like, because actually normally I'm, I, I move down to the to the carpet, <clears throat> and I have all my notes sort of spread out in front of me, and that's normally actually how it looks. Like. So I'm actually moved down to the carpet sometimes, um, yeah, with all my notes, and um, so, ready so to go. So
1: ready-to-go, lying-flat-on-the-floor cup of coffee that you've just made because you are the well, world's number-one barista. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, what are you things, talking uh, I don't know, about? If, well, I
0: don't know. If we should, should we talk about the brakes? Because um, I was just checking to somebody um, in the week and I was uh, talking about normal steel brakes, uh, um, yeah, normal brakes uh, versus carbon ceramic brakes. Yeah. And just the difference. Now, most of us have... Effectively brakes are made of steel, so that's what the brakes we have on, on our cars, um, and they, they, they're they fairly cost-effective things. They stop the car quite well. So the first thing I have is not to mess with your brakes too much and also to re- replace the pads when it's time. So effectively, the brake car, if you look on the outside, it looks like, if you look into the mag, you see that silver thing. It looks like a, a CD. That's the disc, and you have a pad, which is effectively like a clamp, like a vice that grabs both sides of the disc. Um so normally, um big thing is don't ignore the time when it's time to replace the pads. You can one like, talk about the meat on the pads or how much of that is left. So when you service the car, have a look. And sometimes it's a little bit more. It's happened to me that I can go a little bit further. But if you wait too long and um, the pads are, are gone, then effectively it will be a piece of metal that starts damaging the disc of the car. So uh, make sure that you replace the pads when you need to because they can damage the disc, which is a lot more expensive. And eventually the discs will need to be replaced. So my car, I think at about 150000 I needed to replace the disks. Um, and then again, I tend to want to do what the manufacturers, um, you know, replace with the manufacturers. Um, but they can be expensive. So there are sometimes places that actually have oh, discs that are slightly cheaper um, uh, or, let's say, more cost-effective. And that would always be a good route, but be careful of ones that are very cheap, or not from a reputable place, because um, you want the car to stop well and you don't want issues there. Um, sometimes as well, the discs tend to wobble a little bit. In other words, they, as you brake, if they, if they go through heat cycle, they might be warped. In other words, if you brake, the steering wheel might shake a little bit. Um, and then it's time to replace. Now, sometimes, before what they would do, they would put it on a machine and, and sort of skim it. In other words, take a little bit of material away. But with newer cars, I'm not sure if it's a good idea probably better to replace the discs. And then we have something called carbon um, uh, carbon ceramic discs, um, which we normally get on sports cars. So they tend to cost around about 100,000 rands um, on a car. What? Rands. Yeah, that's just for the discs. Um, so carbon ceramic discs effectively will stop the same as normal brakes. So if you have um, your normal brakes versus uh, carbon ceramics, if you do a brake test, it takes hundred Let's two cars that have the same brakes, they're driving at 120 km an hour, hit the brakes. The cars will stop in the same distance. But where the carbon ceramics really make a difference are, is on a racetrack. Because if you're driving on a racetrack and you repeat that, then the steel brakes will get warm and effectively um, your stopping distance will be, become um, longer. Where ceramic brakes will give you the same fade free braking all the time. Um, they're lighter. That means to get the wheel going is easier. That also means unsprung mass, so handling is better as well. So even though they cost a lot, they do make a difference on a performance car. But if you're just driving on the road, I'm not always sure if they're worthwhile. They tend to be better suited for performance cars. So, so Nico, let's... So, yeah, so ceramic Just is one thing if we ask, yeah. or, uh, before we continue. Um, ceramic brakes uh, or a ceramic disc can take about three weeks to manufacture because um, it's quite a process where um, uh, silicon and carbon fiber is mixed then they go through a mould. The material is actually physically, uh, the fine material is put into a mould. It's then compressed a little bit. Then, um, it, so in other words, the process is actually quite a long one. Then eventually goes into an oven and it gets break, uh, baked rather like a cake almost at a 1,000 degrees Celsius. So it goes through quite a long process. And that's one of the reasons why they're quite, quite expensive, um, 100,000 rand for a set of, a set of ceramic
1: brakes. Can you imagine paying 100,000 rand for a pair, for a pair of brake pads?
0: Yeah, well, that's, yeah. So that well, that's one of the options. So if you're buying a car and you, and you have to have the option of ceramic packs, it can be 120, it can be 200,000 rand on on, on the high performance car. It can be more. They make a difference if you have a performance car, a performance car. But effectively, I would say on a normal car, I'm not sure if it's really worthwhile. Um, you know, anyway, you're not going to upgrade. And if you're driving your performance car on the road, they probably don't make a difference either. But if you drive a lot of hard driving on the race um, carbon ceramics really make a difference. I've seen it, you know, especially when you do um, lots of driving or track days. The cars and the ceramic brakes—they they simply give you fade-free braking. Um, so, um, and this sort of leads me on to the next bit. By the way, please interrupt if there are
1: questions. Y- yes, I'm I'm trying to, but before you go into the next bit, <laughs> I haven't given you a chance to interrupt. <laughs> so, so my question is: when they talk about um, What's it called? Not shaving your brake pads, but um, uh, skimming the disc. Skimming, skimming them. The disc. What, what does that mean? Yeah. So um, what happens
0: is the disc um, effectively is warped. So they put it on a on a on a on a machine, and and then effectively they take a small amount of material away. So it's uh, it's uh, um, so in other words, they they're shaving off a slight part of the disc to make it smooth again. Um, and and I know it can be done, but the problem is it, it probably you know, you're making those discs thinner. And, and, and they can probably, or they might actually warp a second time as well. So it can be done, especially on older cars, but I'm not so sure on newer cars if it's actually worthwhile. As I said with yeah. my car, I had a long chat and it was time to replace the discs, and the skimming costs less. But in the long run, I want the car to stop properly. I don't want issues, and they probably might warp again if they go through the heat cycle. So i, I decided eventually rather pay a bit more for a new disc, uh, as opposed to skimming, which you can do, but I'm not sure about the longevity of that. Um, okay. Also, then, just one thing um, if you do put new brakes, even if you do put new pads on, um, it might be that you might glaze them as you drive. So, glazing then simply means that you, know, you put a shiny film on it. You know, if, if you make um, a creme brulee and you take a heat gun, so you, what, what you do with the creme brulee is you, you, you have sugar on the top and you go, it goes through heat and you've got that little crust uh, on top of the creme brulee. That's almost what happens when you glaze a disc, or a pad rather. So when you glaze the pads, you've got that shiny um, 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 layer on the, on the side of the pad. So when you have new pads, it's actually a good idea that the pads go through a heat cycle. We actually talk about bedding the brakes. So in other words, that they go through a heat and cool cycle um, because that will probably uh, take the chances away of the discs um, uh, or the pads rather than, again, sorry, um, actually um, glazing. So that means if you put new pads on the car, take a nice drive on the highway for a bit, and brake and come off the brakes and let the brakes cool down a bit. And that might help through the heat cycle because if you just drive it hard and then stop in the garage, there's a good chance of, of, of glazing those. And then you have that squeaky sound. You might have heard that squeaky sound from the brakes, and that can yes. happen when you put new pads on and they don't go through a very nice heat and cool cycle. So probably a, a good idea. Um, you can ask the, the guy that's put on the brakes. Maybe they know how to go through a, a proper heat cycle. Otherwise, I would say a highway drive, um, with some hard braking in between, it's probably a better idea than just some town town driving.
1: Okay, so that sounds like the way that we should do it. Um, yeah. So someone wants to know if you could comment on the relevance of an electric vehicle for South Africa. They apparently it's an X bus on Top Gear, um, and what are the chances for it being imported to South Africa, and what time frame? Okay. I haven't been able to open their um, their they've, they've got a they've got a link to the car, but so we can't really comment on it right now because we can't tell you exactly what the car is. All okay, right, so, so
0: the thing with the electric cars, Michelle, as I said before, I, I really like them. They, they if you for an EV drive drive um, uh, in cities, they're great because they're quiet and comfortable, and you can charge them at home. Um, the big cost, the big issue is actually still cost, even with issues with with, with with um, load shedding, and, and I mean, we had now, from yesterday, somebody stole electric cable. So we had, for about half a day, we didn't have electricity in the whole neighborhood. But in reality, I'd still buy electric cars because I'm still, um, you know, they're still easy to charge. The biggest problem is, unfortunately, the cost of electric cars. They're really still quite expensive. You're still going to pay probably about eight nine 900,000 rands for an entry-level car. So that means for most of us mere mortals, electric cars are out of reach financially. And, uh, and that, I think, is probably the biggest issue is that they, they're not cost-effective and they're still expensive to manufacture for the car manufacturer. So you don't really get an entry-level electric car at 300,000 or 200,000 rand. So that's probably the, um, the unfortunate part of electric cars is that they, they, they're very expensive. Once you have one, they're very cheap to maintain because there's very few moving parts, which means servicing is probably every 30,000 k's and there's not a lot to do because there's no gearbox, there's no clutch. There's no pistons and valves, so it's, it's a cheap thing to, to live with after that. But is there there's no gearbox
1: no in an electric car.
0: There's no gearbox. It's simply it's like a little Sky Electric. So really, it's like a little Sky Electric motor that, um, or Sky Electric. It's just an electric motor, and the speed is just by spinning the motor faster. So the faster the car goes, the faster the motor spins. So very few moving parts, which is then a simple thing. But the, the issue is unfortunately the cost, um, and they're a little bit soulless to be honest. You know, yeah. they, if you like the way a car sounds and the revving motor and the gearbox and being attached to the driving part, electric cars are smooth and quiet and nice for a city, but you're losing a little bit of that revving and, and, and part, being part of the experience. So that's the downside. I think the simple thing for me is the cost. Um, but yeah. they're easy because you, you stop at home, you plug it in, you charge it, the next day you can drive again. You can, um, you know, you can drive for a while before charging. So they're simple and quiet and nice city cars.
1: Okay, got a voice message for you. Let's go straight to that. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning,
0: Michelle. Good morning to the team and the loyal listeners. Michelle, first question to you, how can I personally upset you? Because whenever you are on radio, you are full of joy, vibe, excitement, uh, which... Uh, normally I feel jealous of that. So how do you get such an energy? Secondly, Nico, um, it's very foggy in Bloemfontein. You can't even see the distance, even 20 meters in front of you. So what are the safety measures that you can give us, especially in this foggy season, and then very cold season? Is Brahmoro in
1: Bloemfontein. Hey Brahmoro, that's, that's such a great question. This whole idea of foggy mist, how does one drive, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's good because you always think you have to put on your hazards. You never really know what you should do. So what's the deal?
0: Cool. By the way, nice voice message. I enjoyed it. It's really a, a, a nice, um, fresh one for a Saturday morning. Okay. So the <laughs> big thing, is, of, co- of course, is, is visibility. Fresh. <laughs> fresh. The, the biggest one is visibility. So please don't use hazards. Hazards should be used in the case of an emergency. Um, if you have... Everybody driving with hazards, how would you know which is the car that's actually broken down that actually is a hazard? So hazards that's are therefore using when, you, when you, literally your car's broken down. So that's actually where your fog light comes into play. So the first thing I would say, if it's very foggy, try not to drive. Uh, you know, if you can't see, don't drive. Some, a lot of the time you don't have an option. So if you then drive, use the fog light in the car. So the fog light at the back would be a very bright red light. Um, it depends on the car so you know the cars are very different some would have a little button next to the light switch all the cars some of the cars you pull out the light switch and and the fog light goes on so number one that's when the fog light at the back um should be uh put on at the front as well um brights don't always work because if you put the brights on they think you just actually almost blind you so sometimes the cars um all the cars had fog lights at the bottom they were yellow newer cars the fog light is sort of hidden away. It doesn't really say fog light, but um, sometimes it looks like a little cloud with, with lines on it. That's your fog light. So if you're not sure, have a look in the owner's manual, which is your fog light at the front. Um, so it would be clear in the owner's manual, which is the fog light part. And that tends to shine a little bit lower and wider to help with visibility. So adjust the speed. Um, don't. I wouldn't stop, um, and I wouldn't drive at 10Ks an hour because that doesn't help, but you've got to adjust the speed to the conditions At hand, Um, keep a look out for what's going on. So then, as part of that, you've got to be observant of what happens in the front and the back. And that's actually where two systems, which are normally options, make a big difference. One of them is is a radar or adaptive cruise control. Because how that works is that's got a radar sensor that's always looking ahead and warning you when there's a car. And the display, even if the system isn't set, in the driving, you know, in front of you, would show you if it sees another car. And that basically goes through the fog. So if you have Something like a radar cruise control, um, when you've adjusted or um, you've actually activated that, that helps because even though you can't see the car, the radar will see the metal and slow you down. And some cars I've seen as well, with, and I've experienced this as well, with night vision. If, um, night vision is an infrared camera. Now, if the fog isn't too heavy or too thick, the, the, you can actually watch the display. And even though you can't, it happened to me in Cape Town, I couldn't see the cars, but the, the infrared of the night vision actually showed me the cars in front. So that was yeah. also a, a good one. But both of those are fairly expensive options to have. Uh, the radar cruise control, not so much, but that actually helps a lot. But I think those are my basic tips for the driving in the fog.
1: But most importantly, don't put on those... Um, the, br- you- the, the bright,
0: yeah. Don't put yeah. on the brights because they, they, they effectively almost blind you. So put on your fog light and adjust the speed and, and be aware of what's going on. And obviously, you know, if it's very foggy and you, and you can't you can, you can put out the driving, rather do that as well don't go yeah. fast in the fog that's really going to be the worst thing to do and drive and one more thing drive the road you know um, because if you can't see if you have prior knowledge of where you're going it's easier if you know listen I'm driving this road and there's a pothole on the left so I'm going to go a little bit to the right or there's lots of curves if you drive the road you know it's also going to make it easier because you know where to go where to go slower or where to expect let's say um, uh, bumps in the road or whatever speed bumps yeah
1: Okay, Nico, we have to go to a break, but when we come back from the break, uh, I need you to answer someone's question, Someone's saying, morning, everyone, what is a drive cycle and how is it performed on a vehicle? What is a drive cycle and how is it performed on a vehicle? We'll go to the break and uh, you'll answer that when we get back. Michelle Constant on SAFM. We are, of course, talking to Petrolhead, the one and only. So, my question to you is, the drive cycle, what is it?
0: I'm not sure, but Did I? is it something I said, the heat cycle or, or, or the drive cycle? So, the heat cycle I'm, I mentioned with the brakes is simply heating them up and cooling them down. I'll give you an example. If we did a track day, um, or, let, or I was doing driver training and there was a car that hadn't been on the track, what we do yeah. is we take it out on the racetrack. Even on a, new, on a race car with new brakes, you go and drive hard, let's um, say on the racetrack, go to 160, then brake hard to, to slow the car down to, let's say, 40. Then go back to 160, slow it down, um, do it a few times, and then drive a lap and just get air through the, the, the discs, but don't use the brakes again. So um, that's effectively give it the heat cycle. Now, I'm, I'm not saying go on the highway, go to 160, brake to 40, but you want to heat the, the, the brakes and then cool them down without touching them and heat the brakes and cool them down without touching them. And that's the heat cycle they go through. And once they've gone through that heat cycle, they're less likely to glaze, to make that shiny part and to squeak as you brake. So that's what I was talking about, the heat cycle. It's not really, I guess, a drive cycle, but a a car is going to go through some heating and cooling. So, um, yeah, um, important that, that, um, you know, that almost leads me, I don't know if there's some more questions, onto the next part um, which is effectively some things that you should or shouldn't do with your car. Uh, and the biggest one is don't idle it in the morning to get it warm. We have spoken about this uh, before, but I tend to repeat myself, I guess. But cars, um, don't, the worst you can do is idle the car to get it warm. Simply start it in the cold morning Are we're going through, through winter now. Even in Sutherland, doesn't matter. Start the vehicle. And start driving immediately. Don't rev the engine hard. Give it some time to warm up. Watch your gauges where they should be, but don't idle it to get it warm. That's not a good idea. Just drive it when the temperature's ready. You can go. And the least wear and tear is on the highway at one twenty. The worst wear and tear is on start up on a cold morning.
1: Really? So, so just um, give us that sound again. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a horror story. So, no, I didn't, okay. No, yeah. <laughs> Now it's not exactly the, but it's a, it's a horrible squeaking
0: sound and you know once it's there uh, it lasts a while you've got to basically drive through that. So if you do have glazed pads or discs you've got to drive through that. So that takes a a few, a few quite a few kilometers to get through. So that's why okay, you so, break so,
1: through. Yeah. So so AZ is saying uh, it is a drive cycle and how is it perform but we'll so AZ will just do a bit of research on that. Then the, the person who was talking about the X-Bus says that the X-Bus is a particular electric car. It's a modular convertible like a minibus camper van or Bucky, um, developed and produced in Germany with a nostalgic wing to the VW bus. Top Gear calls it the cutest thing. And maybe you could have a look at it, uh, looking at what the entry level price is. Is and, it ID uh, Buzz or
0: X-Buzz?
1: X-Bus? X-Bus.
0: No, I'm not sure. Um, so, so what Volkswagen has done is, I mean, uh, this could be what we're talking about. Is you know the, the Volkswagen Combi um, yes. that we all used to love and that's associated with David Kramer, which is actually really quite cool. Um, and I remember going on a holiday in my metric holiday with some friends with a with a, a Combi with a Essex conversion. So yeah. in the 1980s they used to put V6 Essex um, motors in those Combi. Those things really went well. Um, and now there's an electric version of that. So maybe that's what you're referring to. So Volkswagen, with um, the Volkswagen bus now have an electric version of the Kombi, really. And it's wow. really a, a, a cool-looking thing. Uh, it's, a, it's really a, a, a beautiful vehicle. It's, a, it's almost a new retro style. So from the outside, it's, it's interesting because it's modern. Um, and that's effectively what they've done. So you can overseas, and I'm not sure if it's coming to South Africa, that I don't know, but you've got an electric version of the Kombi. Uh, And it's a cool thing. So maybe that's what he's referring to. And I'm not sure what what Volkswagen would do um, with that if it's coming to South Africa. That I don't know. Um, Because, of course, you know, if you want to drive long distance, currently electric cars aren't ideal. It can be done. Recently, I know a guy that, um, you know, driven from Cape Town. um, What actually still happens quite a bit People drive from Cape Town to Kharteng with their electric cars, but your charging time depends on the charging station, and that can be an hour or even two hours sometimes to charge it before you can go again. So if you're driving and you want to do it in one day, it's maybe not ideal. Um, so that's probably why, um, I don't know if it's really a consideration, but it's a beautiful-looking thing. Go have, have a look at it.
1: Nico, um, this is, maybe this is like an, a technology question or a, like an mm-hmm. engineering question. If your car is an electric car, now if it's a little car, is it going to take less time to charge? And uh-huh. if it's a large car like a, a combi, which is electric, would that then mean that it would run out of energy faster or electricity faster?
0: Oh. Okay, it's a good question. So think of it like a fuel tank in a car. So if you think of a fuel tank in a car, the bigger the tank, the further you can go. So um, if you have a a smaller car, let's say you have a small hatch, they tend to have a smaller fuel tank. And if you've got a big SUV, they tend to have a bigger fuel tank. Um, But the smaller hatch weighs less, um, the engine is smaller, so you tend to actually get, um, let's say, let's say just 700 700 kilometers. Let's say you can get 700 kilometers out of the tank. Because it's got a small, efficient motor, you don't need the biggest tank. The SUV Mm. has got a bigger motor and tends to use more fuel, so even though the tank's bigger, those might... Kilometers, um, so 50 liters is, or let's say 40 liters is a small tank, and 80 liters is a big tank. For electric cars, the battery works in the same way. So, effectively, smaller cars, smaller cars would have smaller electric cars would have smaller batteries um, and they measure in kilowatt hours. So, uh, this, uh, 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 let's say a 60 kilowatt hour would be like a 40 liter tank. So, a 60 kilowatt hour battery is a fairly small one. 80 kilowatt hours tends to be big. 100 kilowatt hours is quite a big tank. So what you tend to get is the bigger electric cars, like the SUVs, tend to have bigger batteries. Um, If you look at the new Mercedes-Benz electric cars, um, like the EQS, I think it's a 107 kilowatt hour battery, which is quite a big battery. Um, And they say, I think it's something like five or six or 700 uh, kilometers of the charge. So the charge would take longer, but effectively, um, because it's a bigger battery, you could then drive further with that battery. So that's effectively how it works. Bigger battery, longer range, and you tend to have bigger batteries on bigger cars and smaller batteries on smaller cars.
1: Okay. We are running out of time, but I just want to read Jack Picati who tweeted this because I think it's kind of interesting. You know, we were talking about why we, that, you know, you were saying, don't put your hazards on if you're driving in fog. And Jack yeah. is saying, saying that hazards for him or the unspoken language to tell the speeding fool behind him to slow down before they rear-end me in the fog. <laughs> uh. so, and, and I think that that's true. I, I agree with Jack. I would put on my hazards because I want people behind me to know that I'm going slowly.
0: That, that's why you have a fog light. The problem with hazards is when the hazards are on, again, imagine the situation. How would you know which is the broken-down car or because if all, uh, if 10 cars are all driving with, with, with hazards blinking and a car's broken in a hazard, you don't know which is that car. So mm. hazard lights are there for an emergency when the car's broken down. That's why you have a fog light or that's why if you feel the car's a little bit too close, then just break a bit they or break a few times so they can see the lights on or just get out of the way and let them pass. If they want to go make an accident, let them go make it other somewhere else. Then get out of the fast lane anyway. So that's my feeling. I'm really not a fan because as soon as it starts raining a little bit more, people put the hazards on. But again, we don't know which is the cause with the hazard because everybody's driving with the hazards. We think you know, nowadays if anything happens, we, we jump to the hazards. If there's a problem, if all the cars are stopping quickly on the highway, yes, maybe you could consider that. But I would be careful of, I think we're almost, in my opinion, overusing hazards in South Africa, hazard lights. We just put them on when we get a chance. I see sometimes people want to make a phone call. It's sort, of, sort of almost stop in the middle of the road, put the hazards on and make a call. <laughs> so It's that, a little bit crazy, <laughs> and I've seen it happen. So let's not overuse our hazards.
1: Okay. All right, Nico. Um, that sounds absolutely fabulous. I'm afraid we have to leave you. Go off and make your second cuppa. I know that you'll do it well. I'm going to. Thank you. Have
0: a lovely long weekend.
1: I will do. You too. Have a good one. Nine o'clock. Time for the news.